Hello and welcome to the Cultural Peeps podcast. My name is Ian Wielden and I'm a lecturer in the School of Arts and Cultures at Newcastle University. This series is part of an ongoing project which explores different career pathways across the museum, gallery, heritage and wider cultural sectors. I really want this series to do three things. The first is to help early career professionals understand the huge range of ever-changing job profiles that now exist. The second aim is to help those professionals interpret job titles in the context of different venues and organisations. Sometimes jobs with the same title can be radically different depending on the organisation. The third aim is to help listeners understand that the people that make up any field of work are all human, and that in turn plays a significant part in their unfolding career pathway and decision-making processes. A few caveats. The recordings that form the basis for the podcasts aren't technically perfect. They're often grabbed in busy offices and in between meetings, so you can frequently hear the everyday world of work whirring on in the background. Just a final note, these podcasts are edited down from longer conversations, but I've tried to keep in as much of the original content as possible. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Cultural Peeps podcast. Today's guest is Rachel Adam, who is the project director of BAIT, which is based at Woodhorn Museum, part of Museums Northumberland. The BAIT project aims to get people creating and taking part in active art experiences in the places where they live. And it's one of 21 projects that make up the Creative People and Places programme that have been set up all over the country by Arts Council England. BAIT works in close partnership with a variety of organisations, both inside and outside the museum and arts sectors, including Northumberland County Council Public Health Team, Northumberland Community Voluntary Action, Northumberland Council, as well as Queen's Hall Arts Centre. We start our conversation with an overview of Rachel's role as project director for BAIT, where she details the range of different responsibilities that she has. This is a role that draws on experience that she's gained from working in a wide variety of different contexts. Many of those previous roles share a common DNA in that they focused on trying to increase levels of art engagement and sharing decision-making processes. When I asked Rachel about whether this was always the type of work that she wanted to be involved with, we jumped back to a powerful early memory that she has of watching a dance performance from a visiting company at school. Something that didn't fit explicitly into any of the subjects that she was studying at the time, but helped her to work out that her future path lay somewhere in the creative arts sectors. After school and A-levels, Rachel talks about her initial undergraduate degree in music at Bretton Hall in Yorkshire. Rachel talks about the introduction of modules during her degree, which opened up a range of different art forms outside of her immediate specialism in music, and how this allowed her to understand creative practice within wider historical and social frameworks. 
She left university knowing that she wasn't going to become a professional musician and spent the first year after graduation juggling part-time work in a DIY store with teaching music privately. Alongside these jobs, she also volunteered at Yorkshire Art Circus, an emerging arts organisation that focused on community publishing. The nature of some of the offshoot projects from those publications helped Rachel expand her skill set as well as explore and work with a diverse range of artistic practitioners. This led to a paid role within the team in a newly expanding area of the organisation's activities. After then returning to university to complete a funded Masters in Music, she worked as a local arts coordinator on a project set up by Wakefield District Council, which aimed to develop opportunities within the voluntary sector. She then went on to take up a new role managing a voluntary arts development programme called DIVA, DIVA standing for Development Initiatives for Voluntary Arts. After starting a family, Rachel then relocated to the northeast in 2001, where she took up a post at Sage Gateshead, a concert venue and also a centre for music education. She worked at Sage Gateshead initially as a funding manager and then as head of development. We talk here about some of the additional management training she undertook whilst at Sage Gateshead, as well as some self-initiated coaching sessions that she sought out after hearing about how they'd work for participants of the CLAW Leadership Programme. We also talk about how she was able to refine some critical skills in fundraising and partnership working, things that she'd done in previous roles, but were now the primary focus of her position within Sage. Rachel then left the security of a permanent job to work as director of Juice Festival in a freelance capacity. Juice is Newcastle Gateshead's festival for children and young people. An ongoing theme of my conversation with Rachel is around partnership working and it's something that forms a common link between many of her roles where she acts as a conduit or facilitator who brings together different people and organisations and helps negotiate their different agendas to create new opportunities, projects and activities. I've put links to as many of the organisations and projects that we cover in the podcast description. So if there is anything that you'd like to look up that Rachel and I talk about in our conversation, then that's a good starting point. Don't forget you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle at Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there is a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. That's it from me for now. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you find it useful. Just start by saying a little bit around your current role. So um, I work for Museums Northumberland um, and I'm the project director of the BAIT programme, which is one of 21 Creative People and Places programmes in England. And uh, Creative People and Places is a really ambitious arts engagement programme. Uh, it was initiated by Arts Council England and um, different areas of the country were eligible to bid to become a CPP area. And South East Northumberland is one of those 21 places. 
So um, I started in 2013 as the project director and I've kind of steered the programme through uh, its first phase, which went from 2013 to 2016, um, its second phase, which uh, 2016 to 2019, and we've just secured investment for a third phase, which is going to continue to 2023. It's a 10-year, it's got a 10-year vision underpinning it. Um, and so my role is to ensure that we're delivering against that, we're delivering against the 10-year the, 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 the ambition. And, um, and so it's a mix of um, managing external relationships, securing resources, managing a team, um, supporting that team with their project delivery, um, and then working with a whole variety of people to do the kind of evaluation against the 10-year vision to, right. to see where we are. Okay. Um, and then I also look after, within Creative People Places, there's a national peer learning programme, okay. and all 21 uh, CPP programmes are part of that. And within my role, I've got responsibility for ensuring that that's delivered. So what does that role look and feel like on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you have an average day? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is part of the beauty of it, actually. Um, so, yeah, some, when I look at my week at the start of the week, some weeks I might be at Woodhorn Museum for a day um, with internal meetings with kind of colleagues. And then the next day I might be kind of at, another, at an entirely different CPP programme somewhere else in the country if we've got a national peer learning event. Um, I might have, um, I might be presenting at an event. I'm, I'm presenting at the AMA conference in a few weeks' time. So I might be sharing the learning from our programme elsewhere. Um, I might be uh, at an event, the project event. I might be at home, chained to my kitchen table, writing <laughs> a quarterly report to the Arts Council. It's a, it's a really, really varied job. And, and do you have colleagues that you can go to for advice? So you said that there are other equivalents of, yeah. of, of, of CPP elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So are you in touch with those on quite a regular basis? Yes, and that, that's, that's been really invaluable, actually. So as I say, there's 21 programmes. We're all very, very different because yeah. the nature of creative people and places is that it's a place-based um, program so what what we're doing in southeast northumberland is bespoke to people in southeast northumberland it's co-created with communities in our area other cpp programs are the same they're taking the same approach but their location is very different so ours is an area of small towns and villages some CPPs are in cities, right. others are in very rural areas, others are kind of based in small towns. Yeah. So there's a difference of location, but um, there are similarities around uh, the themes of, yeah, kind of collaboration, co-creation, working in partnership with organisations from outside of the cultural sector right. in order to deliver an arts engagement programme. And... Uh, and so, yeah, having that network of the other project directors and the other strategic lead organisations who are working on all of those CPP programmes, it's brilliant, actually. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that's really important in, this, in the sector is that kind of um, 
tapping into whatever the peer support uh, network is. And if there isn't one, kind of creating your own. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of really important so that you don't end up in a bubble. I think we'll definitely come back to that. Yeah. So you've been there since 2013. So does that mean that a lot of people are coming to you for that advice as well? So people that might be new to the role? Yeah, because we were one... Creative People in Places has been rolled out in phases. Right. So uh, we were one of the first cohort of of programmes so we're 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 the guinea pig round. So right, we're kind okay. of we're we're sort of round one, um, and there's another six right. across the country. And then there was a uh, round two, and then there was round three. And uh, yes, Arts Council England are now investing in an, in a, another two rounds of of creative people and places. And yes, I've had a few. I've had quite a few phone calls from people who are developing their bids or now starting to think about their business plans. Yeah, yeah just coming to see what what have we learned, yeah. um, so that people aren't reinventing the wheel. And are all CCP venues, um, or, or are you all placed within existing venues? That is that part of the project. Not or? necessarily. No, no. The, the every creative people and places program has a consortium of organisations that have come together to, if you like, provide the the strategic lead for the programme. And there's always a lead body. Right. Um, So within our programme, the lead body is Museums Northumberland. And but other lead bodies that be are very very different. Um, So some are cultural sector organisations, but some are not. Right. and um, so East Durham Creates, which is just down the road, the road that uh, CPP is led by East Durham Trust, which is a poverty charity. Right. Um, and that in itself is also really interesting. The, this kind of collaboration at a strategic level between cultural sector organisations and organisations from other sectors. So within our CPP, Museums Northumberland is the lead. But we have um, uh, the Northumberland County Council Public Health sit at the consortium table, um, as do uh, Northumberland CBA, as does Northumberland College, as well as Queen's Hall Arts. So we've got expertise from the cultural sector, from further education, from public health, from the voluntary sector. Um, So all of that blending, um, which adds... Uh, it's it really it's a real adds richness to, yeah. to to what's going on. That must be interesting to navigate because there's so yeah. many different agendas yeah. happening yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I've learned a huge amount from the th- the thinking. I think partic- what's been really new in this job for me has been the uh, the close work with public health. I'd never done that before. Right. Okay. I'd done in previous roles. I'd worked. Uh, with partners in partnerships across the wider voluntary sector, but hadn't done anything with public health. Right. So, understanding kind of where they're coming from, and um, kind of hearing what their what their if you like what their ten year mission yeah. is around empowering people and communities, and seeing where the overlap is between yeah. what they're trying to achieve and what we're about and actually find that meeting ground in the middle yeah, yeah. in order to then be able to to deliver something that's bigger than the sum of its parts so if you'd 
said to yourself when you were at school, this is the kind of thing that you'd be doing now? Yeah. You know, what would what do you think what would that response have been? What did you want to be? Well, when I you were wouldn't at school? I wouldn't have even imagined that such a programme would would be a thing, but it would have existed. Um I mean at school uh I was always into the arts and humanities. Um so I did at, at A level I did English history and music. That right. was that was kind of and I I can remember really clearly before doing A levels, well I was probably only about kind of eleven or twelve. I can remember in the school I went to, Banbury School, that um one day this contemporary dance company came in and we were all in the school hall and we were sort of around the edge and this just phenomenal dancing and I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Right. And I, I kind of it was one of those moments where it, it was an inspiration moment as a as a sort of eleven, twelve year old going yeah, that's really, that's amazing. That's really interesting. I w- I'd like to do something, something related to that. Mm. So I'm guessing that you wouldn't have been doing a subject area or studying anything that linked to that at that time. No, no. So it was just no, this. It was, it was the sheer kind of um, visual impact right. of this contemporary dance piece coming into the school and being you know, within touching distance of, yeah, these, yeah. of these phenomenal yeah. dancers. And uh, did you think, I want to be a dancer? Well, I kind of knew that was never going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you thinking then? What well, you... But I, I kind of was do I was, because I played the violin, so right, I was okay. doing music. So music and dance, obviously, is, is, there's, a, there's a very very close link. So I think the interest for me was the performing arts. Right, okay. It was probably as broad as that. Um, and and what, did you get career advice at all? At school, yeah, no, not at all. So no. when you took your various subject yeah. areas, so yeah. and like A levels, as yeah. you said, yeah. was there anything informing that process, or were you just taking subjects that you thought I'm enjoying this, or that I'm it good was, at this? It was it was purely what what I enjoy and what I was good at, right? And um, and I was I was good at music. And so then I went on to do a music degree. Right, okay. Um, so that's what you did at, at university? Yes, so, yes, I did. I went to um, Bretton Hall College. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. In Yorkshire Sculpture Yeah, absolutely. Sculpture, sculpture Park. And when I, when I was there, the sculpture part was literally just starting. Right, okay. So it's been quite an interesting uh, journey to see it, that um, in the mid-80s when I was there... Um, the focus was the college yeah. and there was this emerging sculpture park yeah. and I would kind of wander across this deer park off the bus and there'd be like sculptures popping up here and there, here and there and everywhere. And, um, but it was about the college and then gradually over time <clears throat> it became, it, that space was all about the sculpture yeah. park and now the college is, doesn't exist anymore. So were you living somewhere like Wakefield or somewhere like that at the I time? I lived in Barnsley and the reason I lived in Barnsley was because at the time... Um, South Yorkshire subsidised the buses. Right, okay. So to get from Barnsley to the bottom of the field to walk across to the college was 8p on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas to go from Wakefield to the college was 45p. Right. So. Did you move to Barnsley? Did you yeah, move yeah. into like yeah, halls so of residence or get Well, a, the, fir- the first year I was, I lived, there was a hall, there were halls on the on the college campus yeah. so I lived on on uh, campus for the first year and then the second two years 
lived in a rented house with two other students right. in Barnsley and then would get the bus every day and into the college. So given the nature of how, I guess, remote that site yeah. is geographically, was everything tied together socially then with that? Yeah, I mean, we sort of... Yorkshire was a good place to be because we lived in Barnsley, but you could really easily get to Leeds, to, yeah. to Sheffield, to Bradford. And there's like tons going on in yeah, all of those yeah. places. So you could you had you had pretty easy access to cities. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this it, it was a, because it was a small college, and it had a particular focus. There was a strong music course, there was a drama course, there was a visual arts, and then there were people doing PGCEs. So it was quite small, so you, you did get to know people pretty easy. Yeah. And were you doing performances and yeah, yeah. as part of that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, we did all sorts of different types of performances, and, and I got involved in some of the things with other departments. Right. So I remember doing stuff as a part of a national student drama festival there was a there was a kind of a, a college production and I was playing the violin in it I don't know if it was any good or not and uh, but it sort in the of, world did, of social media we would be so, able to check that now, I know I know thank goodness for that it doesn't it didn't exist but um and then part I think I think a, a sort of defining thing within that degree actually was the way it had been structured was in the first two years, the week was divided into five modules. And in the first two years, we did three modules of music yeah. and two modules of something that was called interarts. Right. And, um, and that was, that kind of opened a whole new world to me because before at school, it had just been, yeah, you're doing, you're doing your music, you're doing your yeah. music halo. And suddenly we were doing modules that where I was, finding out about what visual artists, how visual artists think, um, the, the major sort of art movements kind of of the 20th century, yeah. looked at through the lens of lots of different art forms. And we also then did um, kind of practical projects. And I worked on a project because it was, it was the era of Green and Coleman. Right. And I worked on a project which was um, capturing the stories of some of the women who'd been to Green and Common producing it as a book so I was sort of dipping my toe into yeah. kind of some practical things that then actually did so give me some like footpaths out of that degree yeah like a historical and social framework in which to place yeah. The, yeah. the work that yeah. you were or the, the kind of yeah. subject areas that you were yeah. interested in yeah. so that was really that was when I think back on it that was really important and then in the third year it was you just focused on on the music bit yeah but I think I, I knew by the end of the degree that whilst music's always a kind of a passion, it was not going to be how I was going to earn my living. Right. In terms of what your approach to it or ability or just Probably how a bit you... of both, actually. Right. Probably a bit of both. Of kind of... of uh... I feel rude saying no, that. No, I, you know, no, no, no. Did you, I think you did have, you have to be, that moment yeah, where you, you have to be. Thought, you okay. have to be kind of... You have to be sort of self-aware, really, of yeah. where you sit. And uh, in terms of, play of as a violin player, competent but not going to be not going to be a professional. Yeah. Not going to be a professional um, musician. Quite apart from that, the lifestyle of being a professional musician of 
you've, you've got to be a bit of a nomad. Yeah. And, um, as so that on the one side, but but also, on the flip side, kind of, I had a, I had an interest in something bigger. I was really interested in that broader sweep. Right. Of art form. So that stuff uh, you've been introduced uh, to in the second yeah, year. Yeah. And kind of, and what's the purpose of art, and kind of how where does it sit within society yeah. and and who's getting involved and whose voices are being heard and who's making art and who's not making art and all, so all of that was kind of just sort of bubbling yeah. as, as an area of interest so were you planning then towards the end of your third year or did you just kind of finish and then go <laughs> i can rem- i could just, i can still remember a, f- a sort of pit of the stomach fear Right. Of kind of um, probably about the probably about the Christmas before the the, the degree oh, finished right, of yeah. going. What next? You know. So when it was in the same year that you yeah, were going to yeah. leave, sort of kind of you know five four or five months before. Yeah. Okay. And um, because because up until that point, it's it was kind of yeah, do your A levels, yeah. total off and do your do your degree, and then it's like, and there was. N- it's not a criticism of the, of the college, but there was there wasn't anything that gave you, kind of, um, an idea of what some of the pathways yeah. could be. You sort of had to figure it out yourself, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was your next step after that? So, yeah. So that that kind of immediate post degree probably very familiar to a lot of people coming out of um, non vocational degrees. It was a mix of things. So um, I worked part-time in a DIY store. Um, I worked every evening teaching the violin um, to to kind of children and and houses. And then I volunteered uh, on an arts programme. And and that then led to my first job. The volunteering? Okay. So where was was that? So this this was a kind of a an emerging arts organisation that became established as what was called Yorkshire Art Circus. Um, and the focus was on community publishing. So it was um, all about uh, creating books that were telling the stories of people whose voices previously weren't getting included right. in, in publishing books. And um, so there was there was that process of creating creating the books and publishing them and getting them out in the world but then there was also quite often spin-offs so there might be uh, somebody's story might then get turned into a community play or uh, a visual artist might be commissioned to make some work in in response to that particular story so again I was starting to sort of just dabble in kind of yeah just that's some of that cross cross that art sounds like a really good project to be involved in at that stage that allows you to yeah. Yeah. figure out a path yeah. there yeah yeah it was and i th- i think it will i was just incredibly fortunate that it was because it was also a, a very new organization i got the opportunity to um set up projects to write the funding applications, yeah. to, to bring in the, the bits of money to make things happen. So it, 
without without a kind of a without a fixed plan really I kind of started to build up the skill set um, that then I, well, I was able to then apply into the kind of the next jobs. So how long were you volunteering there for? So I've I've, I've volunteered I probably volunteered it's a long time ago um, for <laughs> there was it was probably about six to eight months right before I got some paid work. So you'd be into the following year yeah. after you graduated yeah. then. Yeah. And I'd been sort of paying the bills by working in the DIY store yeah. and, and teaching the violin. I was I was volunteering and then a, a paid post came up and I was able to go for that and, yeah. and I got the job. So you'd had like a six or seven month job interview. Effectively, yeah. effectively, yeah. yeah. Yeah, quite a long one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so were you doing the same, was it like a, a paid version of the voluntary work that you're doing or did that have a different focus, that, that role? Well, it, 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 then, it then gradually became more formalised um, as, a, as a kind of, I can't remember what the job title was, probably project coordinator or something. Mm. Um, and, but, but as I say, because the organisation was very new, I was sort of able to make the job what I wanted it to be. Yeah, okay. I was, there weren't boundaries to it, so I, I kind of ended up doing things probably uh, that if an equivalent job in a well-established organisation, you might not have the, the you might not have the, the flex to yeah. do. Yeah. And it, you said it was a while ago, but do you remember what you felt like at that point in terms of thinking, okay, this is a career mm-hmm. path, or mm-hmm. you're just thinking this is interesting and I'm enjoying it? I think the latter, actually. Um, I don't think I was really thinking career path. Right. Um, and I'd... I'd I don't think I have ever particularly gone, this is the job I'm doing now, and in five, ten years' time, this is the job I'd like to be doing. Right. I've never really done that. I've, I've, I've done a job that I've enjoyed, yeah. and then I've moved into something else yeah. that's been interesting. Um, so it's been, it's been more kind of sideways, upward steps, rather yeah. than... A kind Planned. of a plan. Yeah. There's, there's not really been a there's not really been a plan yeah. plan. Yeah. Um, but then the different roles, I, I can see how it fits together as a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And that the job I'm doing now has been informed by different jobs yeah. along the way, and, yeah. the, and the skills I've kind of gained. So that's that as an organisation sounds quite progressive. For a, and yeah. for a first job, yeah. that must yeah, be really, it was. It, and it really was, useful and it interesting. Was, it was a bit of a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> and how long were you there for? I was there for quite a while, actually, um, because because as the organisation became more established, I then got was promoted within it. Right. Um, so I was there probably about six years, actually. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's a good yeah. chunk, isn't it? Yeah. After, straight from university. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, it was one organisation, but several roles yeah. within it. And and what just more senior? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just okay. taking on more responsibility. Yeah. And you mentioned your the job that you're doing now involves lots of partnership working. Yeah. So does that there seems there yeah. seems to be parity there? Is yeah. that going to be the yeah. case for we're we going to see that with more of the job descriptions that you that you talk about? Yes, and I think it, it's been I don't know what it is that attracts me to it, but um, it's always been something that I've enjoyed right. uh, of kind of um, figuring out who can I work with on this project yeah. or this program um, 
because I just I just enjoy that. I enjoy that um, pulling together of different perspectives to yeah. make something happen. You there for five or six years. Yeah. What came after that? So then, I kind of got to a point where I thought, mm, right, I don't know what I want to do next. But I knew it was time to move on. Right. And um, so I actually went back to the music, and I did a, I did an MA. Right. Um, which, when looking back on it, was just a luxury year. <laughs> <laughs> so were you thinking at that point, oh, I might be able to make a career out of that? No, then, or... no, no. It was, it was, I was lucky. I was lucky I got a funded MA. Um, and uh, so it was giving myself a bit of space right. and, and kind of going back and developing the music a bit further. I had a great year with... Um, some teaching from a fantastic um, violin player called Duncan Drews, and um, it was just great just to just to be a musician for a year. Yeah. Loved it, and um, but it wasn't it wasn't a sort of planned. I'm going to move from that into a music career. It was I'm doing this just as a bit of personal development, um, and then from that. I moved into, it was a programme set up by Wakefield District Council, as it was at the time. And it was called, can I remember what it was called? I think it was called something like a local arts coordinator. And what it was, was the local authority wanting to invest for a couple of years into a programme of work that, that developed the voluntary sector right. in the area, that developed the voluntary arts sector. Um, and so for two years, I was kind of piloting things and some of it was working with voluntary arts groups, so kind of choirs and bands and you know camera clubs and things. And some of it was working with that the wider voluntary sector, so residents associations or kind of tenants tenants groups um, who wanted to use the arts to communicate what they were about or develop something about some passion that they had and um, and so it was all about brokering connections between voluntary groups and professional artists and helping everybody find the shared space so you find you'd had five or six years experience working on that previous project and then you'd, you'd done your MA and gone on to, to yeah. work in that role. At that point, were you starting to have a, an idea about what you wanted this to look and feel like in terms of, did you have a, a strong vision about what that should be at that point? Or were you, was it more experimental and give this yeah. a go and see if it, this works? I think there was a high degree of, exper- of experimental. And, and when, I've, mm. when I look back on pretty much every job I've done, I've... I've either always been the first person in that role yeah or i've created that role <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pattern yeah, yeah. so the so doing that two years uh, which was which was a sort of experiment from the from the um, local authorities point of view then led me to set up an organization called diva it's called development initiatives for voluntary arts i used to answer the phone diva <laughs> <laughs> Which was good fun, <laughs> and um, uh, and and that was sort of that, that kind of continued that commissioning projects 
with voluntary sector partners yeah. uh, involving some really fantastic artists. And so my role being about uh, brokering those brokering those links and connections. Yeah. So we commissioned we commissioned music projects, we commissioned visual arts projects. Um, it, it was it was a good good kind of four four years ish that I did that. And um, was that something that was funded? Did you have to apply for oh, funding yes, to get yes. that? Oh, absolutely. So you came up with the concept and then yeah. went for it, and, and then kind of yes. So it was funding. Scary. It was funding from. Um, it it was funding from the equivalent of the Arts Council. It was called, I think at that stage it was Yorkshire Arts Board or something it was called, um, but it's the equivalent of, of the Arts Council, plus the local authority, plus charitable trusts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's when I was starting to kind of build this skill set of uh, attracting resources. What was that process like of, of making that jump? Was that quite... Scary. Um, it wasn't natural? really scary. It was more just needs must. It right. was kind of right. Okay, we've done two years of work uh, that's been invested in. We've got a track record as a result of that two years. We can we can we can put a credible case together, um, and there are some funders that we can talk to. Yeah. Um, so it, it was kind of it was. Felt quite logical, really. Yeah. yeah. And were there people that you were going to at that point for advice about how how you did that, or was that quite an instinctive process? I'd learned some of it from the very first job. Yeah. And yes, there would be um, yeah a few other people who would be working on kind of <coughs> business plans and proposals, and and we'd just kind of share where we were at yeah. things and and then during that period that's when I had my daughter so I was kind of at, the, at that stage juggling small child and <laughs> running this uh, this organization and then relocated to the northeast uh, in 2001 right okay um at which point yes my daughter was kind of she she just turned 4 and so arrived in the northeast just at the point where there were there was all the capital investment going yeah. into the new big organizations and um the sage gateshead was coming on street and um the one of the roles that was advertised was as a fundraising manager and i went for it because i'd done some of the fundraising in the previous role and uh, was really interested at in the idea of being part of a large-scale organisation because everything I'd done previously I'd worked the organisations had been small yeah. they'd been small yeah. teams you know teams of up to 10 people and obviously the Sage Gate said was going to be a much uh, bigger operation so um, and so I got that job on the basis of the the charitable trust and public sector fundraising that I uh, that I'd done, and uh, so I worked at the Sage Gateshead from just before the venue opened, so to two thousand and two, um, and I was there for about five years, and uh, that was that was really amazing being part of uh, a big institution, kind of 
coming into existence. Yeah, being built and then being, infrastructure yeah. developing yeah. and stuff coming So when I started, we were, we were working in um, the... What's it called? The St Gate. Mary's Church. That's the one, yeah, there. Do you know I think we might have been there at the same at the time? At the same time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we went across the road to Gateshead Town, Old Town Hall. Yeah. Gateshead Old Town Hall. And... Um, and so yes, so that kind of couple of years before the venue opened, so seeing seeing the organisation physically being built, but also um, seeing the the staffing structure and the associate artists and the the vision for the community engagement as well as the world class music presentation. I'm just being part of all of that yeah. journey. That was that I learned a huge I think amount. Being part of anything when it's that big, yeah. you know, it's so exciting, isn't yeah. it, to be part of that? And yeah. so, what what did that role entail there? What was the the crux of that job? So it was about bringing in the money, right? Um, and when I started, um, I was focusing on charitable trusts, but within a couple of years, a new role was created as head of development. Mm-hmm. and I went for that role and I got it and so I was working across uh, all streams of of fundraising so for the first time I was working on kind of corporate sponsorship yeah. uh, corporate partners um, individual giving as well as the um, charitable trust work and a little bit of the public sector stuff um, and so, and I think why I was quite good at it was um, it was about communicating the the offer of the whole organisation yeah. and finding the fit with then what a potential investor was interested in. Yeah. Um, so so I, I did that for a fair, fair few years, yeah, nearly five years. Um, but at that point, I was I was missing having the direct. Uh, contact with artists and the direct contact with um, participants and audiences. Um, so yeah. you say because it's quite a different role from the one yeah. that you've described. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. And so it, uh, there's a logical question I think at this point, which is about because you're obviously creating when you were at university mm-hmm. and playing music, yeah. and obviously yeah. when you went back yeah. to your MA. So does that sit underneath things, or are you? Is that not a drive that you have that cre- for yourself to create in 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 an artistic way? Is it just more about facilitating mm. and working with those people? Yeah, I think where I get my creative satisfaction is from enabling projects and programs right to come into being and to blossom and for a real variety of people to take part and uh, and for people to to kind of work with artists that they hadn't anticipated they would they would yeah. work with that's where i get my creative satisfaction from so rather like a, than from an artist facilitator yeah, yeah 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 so yes yeah, so the, the for for me now the the, the music part is is it's, pers- it's just pri- it's personal, it's yeah. private, I just play, do, I play with friends. Do you still play? I do, I do, but, right. but you know, it's, 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 a, bit, it's a bit rusty. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
you're working at Sage, at, 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 you know, up to up to that point. That's a huge organisation. So, mm-hmm. is there anything about the size of an organisation that affects that decision making process? So, did you want to be part of a, a slightly smaller team as well, or did you enjoy that? Because I, I quite enjoyed being part of the big uh, part of a big organisation. Right. It was more I was missing. After a while, the process of uh, fundraising for a large-scale organisation was, to me, was starting to feel a bit repetitive. Right. I, I needed, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to, I wanted to get back out and be involved in initiating projects. Yeah. Because as a, when you're working in development, you're not, you're not initiating creative projects. Yeah. You're kind of you're responding, you're understanding what the creative team are, are initiating and you're communicating that yeah, to, to, to others and you're trying that. to make yeah. that connection. Uh, but I wanted to be closer to the initiating. You're like a financial facilitator yeah. rather than yeah, an artistic rather, one at the exactly, point. Okay. Exactly. So it was, a, you know, it, it kind of properly boosted my, my skills in around yeah. um, uh, fundraising. Um, so then... I left that role and um, I moved on to become the first, uh, the director of uh, Juice Festival. Right. So, um, but I did that in a freelance capacity. Um, So I took a risk. I left a paid job with a pension (laughs) to to, to become, to be freelance for, for a while. And I was contracted by... Newcastle Gateshead Initiative to um, yeah provide the lead um, right. for Juice Festival. So did you line that up you before you left? No, I, you I, left I, and then... I, I took a complete risk. Wow. Yeah. That's that sounds that's does sound scary. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah. So, so what did what what was Juice Festival? How did that? What was? What so did that look like? Juice Festival, um, at the point where I was. Um, brought in um, there'd been a pilot festival which had been commissioned by NGI as part of the Culture 10 programme of, yeah. of, of um, festivals and events and the pilot had kind of demonstrated that there was real interest within both Newcastle and Gateshead for there to be a festival that focused on young people. Yeah. But the pilot festival, um, I think largely for reasons of, of time, the model of it had been uh, programming work created by adults, prof- you know, really good professional work created by adults yeah. for children and young people. And what I then did with the festival over four years was shift that model so that uh, increasingly young people were creating the, creating the work and co-creating the events um, as well as programming and either commissioning or programming high yeah. quality work by um, existing companies. So I, I sort of shifted the balance of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, the thing I really enjoyed about about Juice Festival was the huge variety of partnerships. 
um, because it was an opportunity to work with not the whole cultural sector because you can never do that but work, work with a lot of the cultural sector in Newcastle and Gateshead yeah. and to make it a festival that was uh, could that any art form could be in the mix yeah. um, so I was working with with museums I was working with Baltic I was working with Sage Gateshead I was working with Dance City I was working with you know a whole variety of different venues and the model of it was for a week for Octo- in the October half term one week a year that uh, the venues in the in Newcastle and Gateshead uh, put a real focus on work for children and young people and that work as I say some of it was um, uh, made by children and young people in the area and some of it was they, they had a voice in saying what what should be programmed some of it I programmed um, and it had a really great energy it was uh, yeah, it was good so was that that sounds more similar to the work that you were doing before yeah. Yeah. sage yeah yeah um, yes and it felt I think when I went to work at the sage gateshead I remember I actually remember feeling a little bit like oh I'm not in my natural habitat yeah. This is this is this is a bit different. Um and being a bit out of my comfort zone. Right. But actually learning quite a bit from that that then I was able to then take back into the, the and build the, on top of the bit yeah. of the cultural sector that I felt more familiar in. Yeah, yeah. So then when creative people and places came down the track, um and I saw the the post of project director for the CPP in South East Northumberland, I could see that actually it drew on all the strands of experience yeah. of partnership working, working outside of the cultural sector, working with artists, working with communities, collaboration, co-creation, yeah. all of those things, as well as resourcing. Um, so it's kind of, it's brought it all together. Yeah. See, it sounds as if networking's a massive part of, yes. of what you do. Yeah. Do you find that these opportunities are generated through previous networks that you've developed or, you know, does a previous project lead to another one? Or is it normally from working from scratch each time? No, previous projects do open out into, into, into next ones because you, you kind of, um, you build up, you build up strong working relationships yeah. with people and actually uh, with people and with organisations and it it makes logical sense to continue to work where there's been a really yeah. strong collaboration yeah. and see where does that take you next rather than always starting again. And through those programmes have you ever had any formal mentoring or you know, there's a training. It sounds like you've been quite on the cutting edge it, it all the is, way through. Yeah, there's been quite a bit of... It's quite interesting. I was thinking about what's been the most valuable training I've done. Hmm. And I did the Common Purpose programme uh, in about 2003, something like that. And that that was really, really good because the whole ethos of Common Purpose is about bringing people together from different sectors. So within each cohort of, of people that they, they put through the programme, there will be people from the voluntary sector, there'll be people from the private sector, and there'll be people in the public sector mm. working in different scales of organisations. So I was kind of 
you know, having conversations with people who are running engineering companies or people who are working in health service or people who are working in schools. And, and that was really, really good. Just that help, helping you to think, helping you to stand in the shoes of other, of other sectors yeah. Yeah. and kind of see what they're trying to achieve and see how do they work, what, um, what opportunities have they got, what are their constraints, um, where's there a shared agenda. Yeah. So, so that was a really valuable thing I did. Um, while I was at the Sage Gateshead, what was invested in by the organisation was uh, a management training programme right. for the kind of middle management, which is where I was, I was at the time. And that was that was just great. Just some of the just some of your, your sort of your box basic HR stuff that you need to know if you're going to be yeah. r- running an organisation and managing a team. Yeah. <clears throat> Previously to that, I hadn't had any of that training, and uh, it would be a it would be a top tip to a to to my earlier self or to somebody entering the industry is it's actually invest in some of that yeah. get some of that management uh, training experience because it 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 applies it applies to any sector and but if you've got it within the cultural sector it, it's it's hugely valuable and then the other bit of training that I've done that I think has been really valuable was some coaching training um so uh just building up that skill set that listening skill set and that question the, the asking the right question yeah. in the right situation so is that, was that something that you identified and yeah. then kind of pursued yeah, yeah. it was it right. was and I, I heard about it. it it's the um it's called rd first relational dynamic relational dynamics um and uh i'd heard about it because i knew a few people who'd done the claw leadership yeah, program right who as part of their claw leadership had gone and done this coaching course right and people just spoke so highly of it and i thought do you know what i need cherry to, pick the best i bits, need to go it? and do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so did that come through one of the roles that you were attached to or was that something no i just you... did it personally right just okay. did it personally right yeah. Yeah. that's really interesting yeah. have you been a, a mentor for anybody else so not formally um I've had various people who've kind of had we've had informal kind of conversations where people might be thinking about moving into a new role um and of kind of over a cup of tea we've had a we've had a conversation within the within our program um the creative people in places program we had an apprenticeship um in the first phase of our program it was a um, apprenticeship. She was a young woman in her early twenties. Uh, it was actually a, a business management apprenticeship, and she went on to then get get a job in another organisation, which was great. And then we also set up something that was called the Creative Connector Program, which provided paid um, experience for people living in South East Northumberland who wanted to move into either becoming um, a, a practicing artist or wanted to move into arts management um, of any age, but who 
you know, there hadn't been the opportunity or they weren't sure what the pathways were. And um, we ran that in our first phase, for, it was about two years. And little, just a small cohort of people, it was about six or seven. And actually some of those people have, have kind of blossomed and have gone on to become people that we work that we actually now oh, right, okay. kind of contract yeah. to to work on to work on projects. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big believer in that um, in the importance of those kind of paid real life project experiences yeah. that, where people build up the skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How has the sector changed since you've been involved with it? Mm, not as much as I think it should have done, right. actually. Okay. And I think, I think the thing, the I think the big challenge is, is what the sector looks like, the diversity of the sector. Right. And um, I mean, I support Arts Emergency, which is a it's a charity that is trying to. Um, kind of provide the mentoring support for people who would traditionally kind of not see not see the sector as being for them um so i think there's a lot more work to be done there um you know it's the sector is not representative of um of society and that hasn't changed as much as it should have done in the 30 years I've been in the industry. Yeah. And what advice would you give to somebody that was thinking about following a similar career path to you? I think the, what I said earlier about invest in your management experience, regardless of the, of, of the art form thing, yeah. well, um, that, that'll, that'll serve you a good stead. Um, and um, don't be don't be frightened of taking risks of moving sideways into different things. Yeah. If if you're interested in it, if you're interested in the job and you're interested in the organisation and you're interested in the wider environment and context in which that organisation operates, um, go for it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there's a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. 